our our goal is to build and scale brands on social to pull people off of social into our email list. When my email list had, you know, 1.1 million people on it, we probably pull about $11 million per year out of the email list. Welcome to the Action Academy Podcast. Stand back while I celebrate freedom. The show where we help you achieve financial independence with the mindsets, methods, and actionable steps from guests who've already earned their freedom. The flags of freedom fly. Choose to do what you want. What you want. With who you want. With who you want. When you want. When you want. With another episode today. Now, here's your host, Brian Lubin. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? This is your humble host and God, Brian Lubin, bringing you another episode of the Action Academy podcast, the show that teaches you how to replace corporate with cash flow and that helps you unlock your inner entrepreneur. As always, if you're enjoying these shows, please share it with a friend or family member that you think would get value from it. Also, be sure to leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And lastly, as always, if you're enjoying the sound of my voice and loving the value that we're giving you for 100% free and you want to actually implement it in your life, the Action Academy community is the group for you. It is where we take this information and actually implement it in real life. If you're interested in being around other doers, other movers, other shakers, other action takers, please go in the show description and click a link to book your free coaching call. And now with all that being said, today's guest is none other than Mr. Cody Sperber, the clever investor on Instagram. This guy is an OG real estate investor, an OG internet marketer. He's done hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue in both his real estate portfolio and his online marketing. This guy knows marketing. He knows real estate. He knows sales. He knows online business better than most. And I'll say it here first. This interview is a wild ride. We cover absolutely everything. There is no stone left unturned. We go into his business life, his professional life, his upbringing, his personal life, you know, where he has won, where he has messed up significantly in his life and his relationships and advice that he would give for other people in the same situation. So today he goes over and covers a lot of the ways that he has messed up in life and messed up in business. And he's very open kimono, especially towards the end of the interview. So I would invite you to listen all the way through with an open mind and really hear him out because he is definitely opinionated on different topics, but that is what makes him him. This interview is a roller coaster and he is an absolute wealth of knowledge. So I hope that you guys enjoy it as much as I enjoyed interviewing him. Now, without any further ado, Mr. Cody Sperber. Cody Sperber, the clever investor. What is up, my brother? How are you? What's going on? I'm doing great, Brian. Thanks for having me on. Dude, you set a record, man. You're the first person that had like a a pregame podcast guy sitting in the seat. When we did this episode, this guy was like, hey, I'm not Cody, but he's going to be here in a second. That was sick. This is my financial freedom. He was my fluffer. (laughs) He was my fluffer. He had to get everybody nice and juiced up, ready for me. (laughs) Dude, I love it, man. But I'm so excited to have you on. This has been a long time coming, long time follower of everything that you've done. And listen to a bunch of podcasts you've been on and follow your content for a while, man. So there's so many different avenues and angles that we can take this down. And you and I just both spoke. And there's so many ways that we can provide value that we're just going to let it flow and see what comes up, man. So before we get into it, who the hell is Cody Sperber for those that do not know you yet? My companies and my brands have done really well over $100 million so far. I'm a real estate guy. I have six businesses that do eight figures a year. 
I, sometimes that drives me crazy when people talk like that because they're I, everything actually started from one business absolutely dominating and thriving in. And then eventually, a decade later, I started hacking away and opening up other businesses. It's not like I started with six businesses and scaled all six at once. I leaned in on real estate. I dominated in real estate. I, I'm a developer. I own a, co- a development company called Green Elephant Development. We build in both residential and commercial currently. I have four or five big commercial development projects going on right now. I just closed on two banks. Believe it or not, I'm a bank owner now. I actually own two old banks, buildings, but they still have the vaults in them. And we're going to go create some content in there. I I thought it'd be fun. Create some content in there. So a commercial real estate guy, I own probably about 800 doors right now in multifamily, have about 50 to 60 residential properties. Most of them are luxury type Airbnbs all around the uh, Sunbelt states mainly in Arizona and Las Vegas. Let's see, what else? I own a supplement company called Snap. We've been scaling that. We got 300,000 downline members. It's a network marketing company. We partnered with My Daily Choice and just have been scaling that. We just opened up in Europe. We're about to open up in South Korea. And so we're doing some fun stuff in the supplement and health space, absolutely murdering it in the real estate space. I just exited from a company, made mid eight figures for that business. Sold, that was an online education company. And uh, now I'm focused on really just scaling my commercial real estate portfolio. I think that's with the market and the way things are going right now. I Last year, I built 27 houses. They were all two and a half to three and a half million spec builds in Scottsdale, Arizona, the Arcadia Scottsdale area, if anybody knows that area. When the market's pumping, interest rates are low and everything's going great. Being a builder is awesome. I was making millions of dollars. Everything was fine. The sky was blue. When inflation hit and interest rates skyrocketed, builders go out of business. And if you're really in the residential space and you're spec building, it's very scary. I was floating about $40 million at the time, doing 20 projects at once. I was shitting my pants, to to say the least. It was very scary. We were able to pull through it. I'm down to my last three houses right now. I have two under contract. One more just hit the market. And I'm going to be very grateful to get out of that for now and just shift all our focus over to triple single tenant, triple net lease stuff, new development, land lease stuff, and just playing in the commercial space at a much higher level than we currently are. And I'm a father of two kids. Most important thing to me is raising my kids to not be entitled little brats. I grew up with no money. My family never made more than probably 70 grand a year my entire childhood. That was with both my parents working. I was one of those kids that used to have to, believe it or not, walk to school because both their kid, parents were busy. I don't mm-hmm. know. The kids still walk to school? Oh, up, uphill. Not as much as our grandparents, man. Uphill, yeah, I, uphill both way in the snow. My kids lose their mind if they have to walk anywhere. They're like, I'll take my electric bike before I walk. <laughs> but so you grow up without money. And then you, I was the one. I was the first millionaire in my family. I went to, by the way, went to the Navy, got out of the Navy and went to college, got straight A's in college. First time I ever got straight A's in my life, got straight A's in college, got into real estate, blah, blah, blah. First millionaire in my family by 28. First multimillionaire in my family by age 30. Retired my parents that same year. Scaled businesses, never looked back. I was the one. I was the one. Now I got all these entitled kids looking around thinking like Lamborghinis and mansions are normal and it's not normal. So my number one goal in life is how do you raise these kids to not be entitled, to actually have drive and ambition and focus and want to go out there and still dominate and murder it, 
but from a platform where they can take pick up the football and run it further down the field than I did, which I think is their obligation. And so a 13-year-old and a 14-year-old right now, most of my time, free time goes to raising them right. Love it, man. So yeah, you've got a lot of different <laughs> pens and a lot of different inks, man. So there's so many different ways that we can take that. First couple that I wrote in my notes is number one, you just sold an online education business for multi-eight figures. What goes into making a decision like that as opposed to just hiring a CEO and then having a different person manage the day-to-day and then maintain the operations? And then also when it comes to whoever you sold it to, I'm sure it was a strategic buyer, but how do you package an online education platform to actually go to market? Yeah, step one was building the damn thing and getting it to scale. And so we had really great profit margins. We built a really great brand, million person email list, tons of great products and services. We had a machine. We built the machine. And so I knew it would sell. It was a very sellable business, but it took the right type of buyer. So the buyer that bought us was in our space, Mm -hmm. had a little bit bigger of a platform than us massive organic reach. There was a ton of strategic alignment between the two of us. We were operationally phenomenal. We, and as direct response marketers, like I I started off and I said, my business and my brands online have done hundreds of millions of dollars. It's very difficult to sell $100 million worth of online education. And so we had cracked that code and people wanted to know what that code was. And first off, we had four or five buyers. This one was the best. How you sell it is really, for me, just making sure that my team was well taken care of. It, I knew that I would be good with the profit and the payout that I was going to get, but I wanted to make sure that the buyer assimilated my entire team and gave them a path to staying on board and scaling this thing even further. It was really a one plus one equals 11 decision for me. I knew that this particular buyer would scale us to $50, $60 million a year pretty quickly from where we were. And it, it just made sense. Now it was part cash, part terms deal. So it's never something where you just roll in and someone's like, here's $25 million in cash. It doesn't work. Have fun. Yeah. I wish it did. And, but it, it didn't. Um, we got some cash up front. I took terms on the back end. It was a really great terms deal for them. And I think that's the part, you know, for my real estate business, I always would roll into talking with the seller. And what made me deadly, and I would always get deals over my competitors, is I had multiple... It was like chess for me. I had multiple ways to structure that deal. I never just came in with one tool. It's not like I just made a cash offer. I was doing cash. I was doing terms. I was doing partnerships. I was doing all these creative things to try to figure out what's the best fit for both of us so it's a win. Same thing happened here. I just found... I I knew what their needs were. I found out how to solve them, and we created that alignment. I love that. But you also said something that's very important that I don't want to gloss over and I want to let you riff on, which is how long have you been doing this? 20, 20 years? As an entrepreneur, since I was selling candy and eventually selling drugs, yeah, that's pretty entrepreneurial, right? Selling Attaboy. candy out of your backpack? <laughs> I think yeah. that's entrepreneurial. Yeah. But officially, second I got out of the Navy at 22 years old, I started a company. I'm 45 now. Yeah. 23 years. So you've 
Yeah, so you've been at this for a while. So some some people may be trying to compare their level one with your level 37. You know what I mean? And a, a huge thing that you said is you didn't create all these companies all at once. You didn't scale all these companies all at once. And people see millionaires have seven streams of income. And they're like, oh, okay, cool. How many people do you know? I know a lot. Oh, I've got five laundromats, four commercial buildings. I'm doing like short-term rentals over here. And I've got a bookkeeping business and a virtual assistant company over here. And it's, none of them are none of them are stabilized. They're all in the active <laughs> management stage. So can you talk about how you did it, about the importance of starting with your one thing, getting it stabilized, and then branching off into ancillary businesses? Because I think so many people miss the mark there. Yeah. So one of the things I took from the military is systems and processes, right? Everything has an SOP. Everything is, you're held accountable for every action to the hour. And so I, when I first got in the real estate business, I realized very quickly that most real estate people were very disorganized. They were winging it all over the place. And obviously we know winging, is not a strategy. So I, I was like, God, I got to systematize this. And so every Saturday I did something called system Saturday, where I challenged myself to create one SOP around a process within my investing business. I never wanted to, the second I flipped my first house, I was in love. I never wanted to do anything else with my life. I thought if I can be the world's greatest creative real estate investor and go from residential eventually to commercial and build this massive real estate portfolio, I'd be happy as can be. I'd float into work every single day. I'm the weird guy that dreams about real estate deals. Like I love the art of deal making and the, and the, architecture of real estate. So I leaned in on that. And for 10 years, I never picked up my head. I just did real estate. And I got really freaking deadly at it to the point where everybody in town knew my name. They all, you know, I went from struggling to get deals to everybody bringing me deals from nobody Mm. wanting to take my call to everybody trying to get my attention. And along that path, I was building a brand. I didn't know I was building a brand, but I was building a brand because I would call myself the clever investor. And it just every single time I ever opened my mouth, hey, Cody Sparber, the clever investor here. And it just started connecting me with this concept of being the clever investor. And if you meet somebody at a networking event and they're like, hi, I'm John. You're like, cool. I know 4,000 Johns. I'm going to forget you in three seconds. But if let's just say I'm Big Steve from Texas. And every time Big Steve, I, Big Steve <laughs> from Texas, it's a hook, right? It's different. And so you start to remember, I don't remember John, but I remember Big Steve from Texas. I remember Cody Sperber, the clever investor. And so eventually I got really good at the real estate thing and I started making pretty significant money, but it was all earned income. I wasn't owning real estate. I was flipping real estate and I was making millions of dollars doing it. And uh, along that journey, I started getting hit with heavy tax bills, like half a million dollars, a million and a half dollars, $2 million. I was like, Jesus, I can't make more money and pay all these taxes and go fast. Like I keep, every time I would get a little bit ahead and like unlock the next level, I'd get knocked back with taxes. And my mentor kept saying to me, Cody, you can't earn your way to wealth and you can't save your way to wealth because of taxes and inflation. You got to master the tax game. And every deal my mentor did was inside a self-directed Roth. He wouldn't touch real estate if it wasn't in a tax-free environment. But I hated the paperwork around it. And I didn't really like that concept of having some limitations of what you can do and how fast you can move. Because when you're Mm -hmm. within a a self-directed Roth, there are rules. And if you violate those rules, all those tax-free monies that you earn, they can unwind it if you get audited and come back. And I was too gangster with my transactions. I was real fast and my paperwork was loose. And so 
I was all about speed and just making money. But I kept my head down and every Saturday I worked on my systems. Eventually I built this insane machine and I started lateraling over and I asked myself a very important question that every single successful entrepreneur should ask themselves. Who else is making money on my transactions? I'm the rainmaker over here. Who else is getting paid on my energy? The title company is, let's go buy a title company. The lending company is, let's go buy, let's start a lending operation. There's transaction coordination and people doing paper. Let's start that. Like, why am I paying anybody? Let's verticalize like Apple. And so we, that's how I started scaling outside of just my real estate business is I started buying or starting businesses in the same vertical, but that were supporting ancillary businesses. So that was phase one. While I was building a brand, then social media came out and all of a sudden I started getting noticed outside of my local market. And people would come to me because I was the first social media influencer in the real estate space to break a million followers. I was the first one to get the organic blue check mark back in 2016, 2017. Nobody knew who I was. They were like, why do you have, are you a celebrity? Like, I don't get it. Why do you have this? (laughs) And nobody can understand that the same way I marketed my real estate business was the same way I looked at social media platforms. I just thought this is a hackable platform. Instagram is hackable. It's so easy to scale an Instagram page. Once I figured it out, I was like, oh, there's just another marketing channel for me and I'm going to outmaneuver everybody. And so I, I was scaling that brand, the Clever Investor brand on Instagram, and I needed a way to monetize it. And at the same time, everybody was coming to me saying, Cody, you're the best I've ever seen. You have the best systems, the best processes, the best software. And they were throwing money at me. Will you mentor me? Will you coach me? And I, at first I was like, I had this chip on my shoulder. I was like, I'm a real estate investor. Like those who don't do teach, I don't want to teach. I want to do real estate. But it was one guy literally came to my office, put $10,000 cash on my desk and said, I want to shadow you for a day. And I looked at him and I'm like, you're going to pay me 10 grand to just for one day. He's like, if you give me your systems and process and blueprint, I'll pay you 10 grand. Okay. Give me the money. Next thing, my first coaching client. We shadowed me for a day, went out there, took my system, ran with it. A couple weeks later, I get another call. Hey, you coach so and can I do the same thing? And I'm like, bring me 10 grand. Let's go. Next thing, I had all these 10 grand offers coming in and I was like, oh shit, I'm going to start like an education. I'm going to start documenting every single thing that I'm mm-hmm. doing and take all my stuff and actually put it into a course. Now, back then, 2009, there wasn't courses. Like nobody, nobody was selling courses online. Like it was old school gurus doing infomercials and shit. So I was like, I'm going to take, where are the young people at? The young people are going online. I'm going to take all of this training, organize it and put it in a course and put it online and see if it sells. No idea it was going to take off. I started Clever Investor, the education business, and it just went like this. First year did a like six, 700 grand in sales. Next year did 3 million in sales. Next year did 7 million in sales. Next year did... 12 million in sales next year, did $20 million in sales. And it just was like, boom. And I built the path. All the gurus that you see right now, they looked at my (laughs) blueprint and they were like, oh, that's how you do it. That's how you build a brand on social media. That's how you sell courses. That's how you do webinars. That's how you write VSLs. That's how you build an email list. And I just, I was like the guy who went out there and figured it all out. And now just to finally shut up. Now people come to me because I'm on the other side of the equation. I'm like the old guy in the space. 
And a lot of my students have now gone off to be very successful real estate investors, then eventually realized, hey, I can make money in real estate and I can make money in education. They became gurus. And now I'm actually on the backside coaching them silently. And these are some of the biggest names in our space. I'm the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain, making sure that they can scale even faster than I did. And you're seeing it. Like The impact in the space is happening with these big individuals because I just gave them the blueprint once again, and they pay me a lot of money to show them how to actually scale an online business. Boom, baby. There we go. Dude, that made me feel good because I just finished my first year of online education and we about re- exactly where you were. <laughs> so I'm like, there we go. Next year's 3 million. 2024, 3 million, then 5 million, then 12 million. You're so going to do there it. There we too. go. Yeah. There we go, baby. It. There's, and then it's funny because you're saying this and you just started a brand new Instagram just to prove this point, right? I did. Yeah. Official Cody Sperber. I had the Clever Investor page, got a 1.1 million followers on it. I'm looking at it. Instagram hates me. I went crazy. When COVID hit, I went crazy. They froze my account multiple times. They deleted my Facebook pages, my professional pages that took me seven years to build, deleted, wiped them off because I spoke out on COVID. And And my income significantly got hurt. I lost a lot of money not being able to market and advertise and they restricted my reach. And so anyways, that happened. And at the same time, my brand's ready to evolve to something bigger. So I was like, you know what? I don't want to just be the real estate guy anymore. I don't want to be the clever investor. When I die, at the end of the day, I don't want my story to just be, he was a really good real estate guy. Mm-hmm. I'm so much more than that. And I think anybody who wants to reinvent themselves should do it. You're not your past. You're not that. Even if you did a really good job branding yourself, I watched Dean Graciosi rebrand himself. Mm-hmm. He was a real estate guy. Now he's Tony Robbins' business partner and one of the biggest personal development experts in the world with Bingo. mastermind.com. He did it. And I'm just sitting there thinking, I could do this. I can rebrand myself. And because I know what I know, I can scale this Instagram page really fast. Look at what happened. I've now been 30 days into my new Instagram page. I just looked today. We have in 30 days, I reached 431,000 accounts in 30 days. And I have 7,000 followers. If and you I'm one you need, of them, brother. I'm an OG. <laughs> but if you think you need a big following, you're wrong. You need the right following. You need, the, you need to just put out great, influential, authentic content in your way. It's not about the size of the page. I look at my 1.1 million. I'm like, I can't even reach them anyway. It doesn't even matter what the size of your page is. It matters about the influence and impact that you can make with the people that do choose to follow you. And I'm proving that right now. I don't care about a big following. I just want to make sure when I put out a post now, you see the engagement rates like 5%. It's hard to get Mm -hmm. 5% engagement rate when you're not doing stupid dances or up things, falling and hurting people or crazy shit online. Pure motivation, pure entrepreneurship, pure brand building, marketing influence. And we're seeing it work. Boom. And it, it, it's crazy that she said that because it, it goes back to the power of email and where email is the one thing that they can't take away from you. It's like when you grow that list, that's what you could keep. 
because you're you're building territory on rented land when it's like Facebook or Google or Instagram or TikTok, they could take it away from you at any given moment, right? People don't really realize like my real business is email marketing. That's really, you know, if I'm not doing actual real estate deals, if it has anything to do with online education, I'm a, actually a direct response email marketer. That's how we make all our sales. That's how we, our, our goal is to build and scale brands on social to pull people off of social into our email list. When my email list had, you know, 1.1 million people on it, we probably pull about $11 million per year out of the email list. And it's sending one email a day. I send an email every single day of the week. If there was one skill that I can, if there was a young person watching this and they were like, okay, Cody, just give me one skill that I can lean in on to guarantee that I'm going to make millions of dollars. I would say it's the art of copywriting. If you can learn how to write copy, you can write your own paycheck. And for a long time, I wasn't writing my own copy. I had other people on my team writing copy and it never was hitting. It wasn't resonating. And I would see stuff go out and I'm like, that's so corporate. That's so boring. That's so bland. And one day I just got pissed and I'm like, you know what? I'm going to start writing my own copy. This is my voice. I'm going to write the emails. I'm going to do the sales emails. I'm going to do the follow-up emails. I'm going to do the relationship building emails. I'm going to write the newsletter. I'm going to do it all. And at first it was, I don't want to say painful, but overwhelming a little bit. Sure. And then I started developing better and better copywriting skills. I never, nobody taught me, nobody, I never took a course or anything like that. I just was authentic and funny and put it out there. And I started to build this email list and train my email list to resonate with my copy. Now I can, I know exactly to the, if I want to, let's say it's New Year's, we're going to do a mentoring push. I know exactly how to hack the email system to get an insane amount of email mentoring applications. Quick example. Everybody sends out emails consistently from their name or their company name, the personal name or the company. It's like the emails coming out from Cody or Clever Investor. You know what email I sent today? You know what it came out from? Where? Your wallet. Your wallet was the from name of my email. You know what the subject line was? We need to talk. (laughs) I animated a wallet and wrote all the email copy around this wallet who was at the ATM and he ran into his other friend with another wallet and they were having this conversation and he realized the other guy's wallet had a ton of dough in it and ours was totally empty. And we set off 2023 with all these great intentions, but we didn't end right. So now we're here in 2024 and we got to figure out how to get back on track. And there's wallet jokes in there and there's all kinds of stuff. That email crushes because nobody sees it coming. They don't realize that you don't have to play by this templated corporate rule book. You can animate things. You can do avoid names. You could do uh, my Nikki, Cody's assistant can be the from name. I split test everything. I dial in my copy to the point where it's, I'm so, I'm like a surgeon. I'm so strategic with it. I know if I send out this email, I'm going to get 300 mentoring apps. But if I send out this email with this different subject line, I'm going to get 500 mentoring apps. That boost could be the difference between having an average business or a phenomenal business. So the art of copywriting is the skill. 
Do you have any advice for people to learn copywriting? Because that's something I'm passionate about myself is copywriting. And it's something that I'm actively improving. So do you have any advice or resources that you would direct people towards? Frank Kern is a great trainer in the copy world. Dan Kennedy's got a lot of great copy stuff. Oh, God. What's that Asian guy? Brunson just bought the Kennedy stuff, didn't he? Yep. 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 Dan Locke. That's who I was thinking of. Dan Locke has a really great copywriting course. I would just, what I did is I just tinkered, uh, tinkered and paid attention. Right. And it's, I was like, okay, what kind of, what kind of entertainment? Cause at the end of the day, if you look at social media, nobody gives a, if I sit there and I tell you, this is the exact strategy to become a millionaire, technically do one and two and three. And I just lay it out in like a map gets very little engagement. If Ironically, I, if I do that exact same thing, but in a fun and engaging way where it's like a skit that's playing out and I'm still delivering the same content, but just in a fun and engaging way, you realize that people want infotainment or edutainment. They don't want just information. They want to be entertained. And so you have to really figure out how to like put that together. And I watch your stuff and that's what you're doing, but you're not just being bland with it. You're using like green screen behind you and being animated and doing it in different locations. You got to really mix things up to get through the first three to five seconds before they move on to something else. So it's all that hook, that first three seconds is always the most important. With copy, it's the same thing. I have to figure out like, how am I going to hook you like right away to get you to finish reading the email? And a lot of my copy is not long copy. I don't sit there and write tons of information out. I'm not trying to sell you in the email. I'm letting the funnel do its job. I'm just trying to get you to the funnel. And so the more edu- entertaining edu- I am, edutainment. <laughs> edutainment I am in the copy and creative and w- wild, the better. And it, I love it, that. I'm able to drive, I could send out an email and drive six to 10,000 clicks per email. <laughs> That's crazy, dude. Oh my God. It's it's really interesting to learn all of this because I'm new. Like this last year was when I started taking all this seriously. So it means a lot that you uh, like my content because I just figured all this out this last year and trying to figure out like what your voice is, who you're speaking to, what you're helping them with and how you are different than anybody else. And so I just saw so much like stuffy and boring I was like, dude, you guys don't have any fun. You guys are calculating the ROI and an index fund instead of a pina colada. I'm like, dude, what? (laughs) I want to go. I'm traveling around the world, man. I guess I'll document this thing. And it's really cool that you say about the importance of having the less is the better. Less is more. And there's this quote that I really like. It's one of my favorite quotes. And I don't remember which one was which, but it was it's like Emerson and Thoreau, some of the famous transcendentalism mm-hmm. writers. And I think it was Thoreau that said, simplify. And then Emerson said, one simplify would have, surfi- would have sufficed. Yes, I love that. <laughs> and I was just like, oh my God, like that's perfect. So I was like, how can you get that? How can you package all this into one statement, one line in copyright? And that's what Apple does so great. Nike. My favorite campaign from them is yesterday. You said tomorrow. Simple, right? It's just, it's and it makes you think a little bit. Yeah. 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 And that's why they're the number one apparel company in the world. Bingo. Cody, we're, we've got 10 minutes to the top of the hour. Are you good? Is it a hard stop? Are you good to go over a little bit? No, we can go. 
Okay, sweet. I'll push mine too, so we'll be good. So I want to talk about right now, we've shared a highlight sheet of Cody Sperber and everything that you've done and how you've pulled it off over the last 20 years. But you recently shared with me at the beginning of the episode, a period of time recently where, you know, not everything goes right. And there's a lot of roller coasters that come along with the ups and the downs. And that is entrepreneurship is Mm. not how much can you win, but how can you prevent being derailed by the losses and stay on the tracks. So I would invite you to share what you went through recently that allowed for you to take a look at who you are and what you're doing and have that realization of, I need to be more than what I am today and then start this new upward trajectory. Because a lot of people just got their asses kicked in 2023. Yeah. And now they're like, okay, 2024, how do I make this my year? So it's a weird thing when you start becoming more successful and whatever that means to you. For me, I have been dominating the money game for a long time. I don't remember a year that I made less than $10 million. It's been a long time. And that's from a kid that grew up with very little. It was, I've been making great money for a long time. And a lot of times it's tax-free money because I own all this great commercial real estate and I'm able to cost-seg these buildings and accelerate the depreciation and I have great cash flow coming in and appreciate Like I'm like really winning the real estate game. And so last year, here I am online. If you saw me, you're like, that guy's murdering it. And if we're talking about money, you're right. I had the best year financially last year. What they don't don't see or didn't understand was just how much pain I was actually in. I have been struggling emotionally for a long time, not in a like a whiner way. Oh, life's hard, victim mindset type shit. Sure, I was just very unhappy. I was in a marriage I didn't want to be in anymore. I was out of alignment with my words, my thoughts, and my actions. My mother was dying of cancer. And my businesses were struggling because I was totally emotionally checked out, meaning not struck, like we're still making a lot of money, but the team, the culture was breaking. The teams weren't really understanding what was going on. I was just disconnected and out of it. I was a horrible CEO. I was a horrible friend. I had no spiritual connection whatsoever. I like, if you would have started talking to me about religion a year, a little over a year ago, because it's been about a year and a half now, a little over a year ago, I would have pushed back and said, look, if you want to believe in make believe shit, go do it. That's on you. Like I was not a religious person. And so I was like a zombie walking around, Hmm. but I was hiding all of this pain in achievement because that's always what I did. I was so out of control as a kid and I was bullied so much as a kid that entrepreneurship as a sport was the thing that I can control. I could lean in on that and build businesses and scale businesses. And I was good at that, like the art of that. And that made me feel safe and significant. So I would buy the Lambos and I'd buy the houses and I'd borrow significance from the wealth that I was creating and the things that I was buying and the luxury items. But I was still that 13 year old kid that was bullied and picked on deep inside. And my marriage of 18 years was a complete, disaster. I'm now separated, living in my Airbnbs. Nobody knows. I don't even, I'm alone. My kid, I had to tell my kids that was a disaster. 
at the exact same time that's going on, my mother went, took a really bad turn with her cancer, went downhill, ended up dying in my arms. My dad was losing his mind in the corner. I'm giving my mom the morphine and the lorazepam or whatever it's called, trying to like just make her feel okay while she was passing. And you find yourself in this place where you're in Rock Bottom's basement. And I was looking around going, how in the f did I get here? How did I make so many poor decisions to obliterate my marriage, to be so disconnected from everybody, feel so horrible and feel very little hope for the future? And a lot of times when you get to that place where you're just beat up from every direction, that's when I finally surrendered. That's when I was like, you know what? I can't just be known as a guy who makes money. I need to have, I need to be more whole. I need to mm. figure out what, how, how to heal myself. And I checked myself in to this place in Scottsdale called Psychological Counseling Services. I went to a week-long intensive. It was, I wish I would have done it a decade or two earlier. It was such a game changer for me because I stopped all business activities I didn't go online for seven days. I didn't touch an email for seven days. I didn't talk to anybody for seven days. I dipped out. I told all my team members, guys, I have to do this for myself. Like I'm having a breakdown. They all supported me. I went and did this really aggressive 14 hour a day intensive. We did every type of therapy under the sun. One-on-one -on -one, group therapy, horse therapy, acting therapy, EMDR, breath work, somatic release breath work. We did everything. We built trauma eggs. We did intimacy circles. We did all these crazy things. And as I was going through all of this stuff, I realized just how much pain and trauma I had been carrying around my whole entire life. And what we don't realize as people is you have a subconscious programming. Your subconscious programming determines how you react to everything. You want to be a deadly entrepreneur? You need to learn how to control yourself. You want to be a really good friend? You need to learn how to, how to control your reactions. I was losing my mind. You ever ask yourself, like, why did that piss me off so bad when that person cut me off in traffic? Yep. It's morning time. Everything's fine. I'm driving to work. I'm not even in a hurry. But here I am cussing somebody out when they cut you off losing it. And then the next three hours of my day are a mess because I'm just like hot. Why does that happen? It happens because you're out of control subconsciously. And what I realized is that I failed in my marriage. I was out of alignment with my words. I was failing as a business partner. I was failing spiritually because you cannot give what you do not have. I couldn't go around and be a great business partner and be a great significant other to my wife. Couldn't be a great dad to my kids. I thought I was doing okay because I provided them shit. That's one of three things that you have to do for your family. I was really good at one and failed miserably at the other two. And that's because I wasn't giving them unconditional love. I wasn't showing up and being a present man, being a great protector, providing safety. I was just being a provider of shit that that's it but i wasn't yep. present i was emotionally checked out over here running these businesses and that's where i hid and i wasn't a great protector because i provide no safety and so 
you can't give what you don't have. I couldn't give unconditional love because I didn't have unconditional love for myself. And that was the big light bulb moment where I was like, wow, you've been chasing significance your whole life. You've been fighting to be, build this big brand and look awesome online and to make all this money. When in reality, you're just a hurt kid. And you can't earn it. And if you would have asked me before I went to therapy, was your childhood okay? I would have said, yeah, I was never molested. I was never abandoned. I was never, my parents were great parents. Everything was okay. But we all have our shit. And once I started unpacking it, I started realizing, wow, no wonder I don't like religion. When I was 10 years old, my grandparents, who were recovering alcoholics that turned into very aggressive, uh, what's the religion where they handle snakes and stuff? Oh, Lord. Pentecostal. (laughs) Pentecostal. They were heavy Pentecostal Christians. Christians, right? And my grandpa pinned me in a corner one day and spoke in tongues for 15 minutes and lost his mind on me and shook me and told me I was going to be a great pastor someday. And you wonder why I rebel against religion. I was scared of it. My mom was bisexual. She cheated on my dad with another woman. I walked in on it. I forgot that I even witnessed this because I was a little kid. But as you start going through these therapies and start unpacking things, you're like, my dad cheated on my mom. My mom cheated on my dad. All this shit's going down. And I forgot all about it because you know what we do as entrepreneurs? We're professional at hitting a wall or having something really heavy happen to you. And then we compartmentalize it and we bury it and we move on. And we compartmentalize it and bury it and move on. And we get that we get really good at doing this. That's how we're able to take on all this pain and pressure and hardships and keep moving forward. Because if we held we on to through all, it, yeah, if we held on to all of it, it'd be like an anchor dragging us backwards. And this is why some people aren't cut out for entrepreneurship because they can't handle that. They don't know what to do with it. But psychopaths like us take it and we bury it and we move on. And I was doing that my whole life and didn't even realize it. And I finally stopped long enough to address it. And then I, over the next year, I made myself a commitment when I came out of therapy. I said, you know what? I'm going to be a great provider. I'm going to be extremely present. I'm going to be a great protector. I'm going to be the world's greatest partner. I'm going to be the world's greatest significant other. I'll never fail in a relationship again. I'll never cheat again. Because I, you know... It's so easy to have a marriage where you're an entrepreneur and you're out there dominating and kicking ass, but you're so disconnected from your family. Mm. And it doesn't happen immediately. It's one degree. It's two units going one degree in different directions slowly over a long period of time. And you just wake up and you're like, oh, my family's on the other side of a canyon now. Shit. Like what happened? And you're so disconnected from it and so turned off. Like with my wife. My ex-wife, we became just friends. She's a perfect 10, one of the greatest human beings to ever walk this planet. I absolutely adore her as a human being. And she showed me so much grace during the divorce. I can't even imagine. I don't even know how she turned out to be such an amazing human being. Like kudos to her parents because she is world class. And I'm a piece of shit over here, like trying to leave my family out of alignment doing all this dumb stuff and then trying to heal myself and get back on track, realizing you're way over here and I'm way over here. I didn't want to get back. I didn't want to stay in the marriage. I wanted out. But how do you do it? How, how do you get out of 
how do you rebuild from that moment? You go upstream and you heal yourself and you show back up as the man that everybody deserves that you should have been the entire time. And it wasn't my words. It had to be done through my actions for the last two years. I have done nothing but put in the work to be the man I need to be. When people ask me like, what does it take to be successful? It's an it's who do you need to become to be the person that deserves the success, that can handle the success? That's been my journey for the last two years. And it's been great because now I have a phenomenal relationship with God, my creator. I'm working on it every single day. I'm great friends with my ex-wife. We talk all the time. I am a super parent to my kids. Absolutely adore me now. My my daughter's 13. She tells me secrets. We're super connected. I spend more time with my kids now. I'm more present with my kids now than I've ever been. It's like I've been blessed with the second chance. I'm making more money than I've ever made. Opportunities are coming from every direction. I'm in alignment with all of my words. My partnerships are strong. 2024 is going to be a phenomenal year. I feel like the weight of the world, all these lies, all this bullshit has been lifted off of me. I'm in alignment with my purpose. And that all happened and the catalyst was my mom's death. It's like that rock bottom thing had to happen to force me to slow down long enough to realize that I'm my own worst enemy and I got to do something about it. And so if you're an entrepreneur playing the game at a high level right now, have you tried somatic release breath work? No. Have you no. gone upstream and healed your shit? Because you, you want to know how to unlock the next level and you can't figure out how to do it. How to do it is stop and get present and go backwards a step. Fix your shit. And the next level will naturally just unfold right in front of you once that happens. Otherwise, you're always going to be this hamster on a wheel, chasing significance, hiding your pain and achievement, and always wondering why I can't get there. Ugh. I had a coach one time say, put this in a way that I understood finally. And he said that success is like a hot air balloon, not like a rocket ship. And he goes, you think it's a rock, rocket ship with all this force and fuel and friction that's taking you up into the stratosphere. Instead, it's like a hot air balloon that you just need to cut away the sandbags. He's like, and then you just rise by default without the weight. And so that's what you're talking about is going through the process of removing these sandbags. Dude, I'm still stuff that, though. I am yeah. still in that is the greatest analogy for what I just went through. I cut the sandbags off. Cut them off. Yeah. Dedicate your next millions billion views to me, brother. <laughs> Dude, I got you because that's really power. That's a really powerful thought because we all can yeah. relate to that. I don't care how badass you are in business and how many deals you've done. You're hiding something. You're hiding some pain. Yeah. Dude, thank you so much for sharing that. This is I love episodes like this because normally it's a lot more like back and forth, but it's it's sometimes you have an opportunity where it's just so you you got a lot of stuff you got to get off your chest. So I'm like, man, I'm shutting up and I'm letting homeboy roll. I'm letting Sperber roll, baby, That's right. because you had some testimony you had to share. <laughs> oh my god, that's insane! And now it, it's so cool because it's an earned perspective. Like you went yeah. through it. You've been through you've been through the muck, so what rock bottom feels, and now you can appreciate the highs even more. And it's 
everyone thinks, and I was guilty of it too, that you can out earn your problems. But you're a perfect example of there ain't no way. And look, I never got caught. I never got caught cheating. I never got, I could have gotten out of that little funk I was in and kept it going. I told on myself and I ripped the bandaid off because I knew that if I kept hiding the truth, I'll never be free. That's it. And there's, I guarantee there's somebody listening right now. They're doing yellow light behavior. You're a high performer entrepreneur. You're killing it. You travel. You got big social media. Something's going on with you. And you're doing some yellow light shit right now. And you wonder why you're just a little, you're heavy and you're just, you just can't springboard forward until you get back in alignment with your words. You'll never get there. You're lying to everybody opening up those DMs. You might get 10 DMs, six of eight of them are dudes and two of them are chicks. Who do you answer to? The two chicks. And you think that you're going to get away with that forever. Trust me, brother, you're not. The truth is going to catch up to you. And for me, it was just a call I made. I said, I, will not, I do not want to waste any more time. Most entrepreneurs feel like their greatest enemy is time. It's the big driver. It's none of us want to get to the end of our days and regret. Oh, I wish I would have done that. I wish I would have taken that chance. My big regret now is I wish I could go back 10 years and heal my shit. Because I would have been so much further along. I'm telling you right now, alignment is the greatest feeling in the world. I have no weight. It's just, ah, let's go. Let's attack. So no audio. yellow light behavior. Yeah, the audio is matching the video. That's one, of my, that's one of my core tenets in the business. Does the audio match the video? You say a bunch of stuff, but are your actions lining up with it? I love that, man. Oh, my God. Dude. So with all of this being said, like I can't think of, I, I want to end it there on the high note. Where can people find out more about you if they want to get in touch with you, if they want to partner with you, if they want to learn more yeah. about you and your businesses, where can people go? Because you have so many different resources. Yeah, I, I sold Clever, but you guys, if you want real estate education, go to Clever Investor, cleverinvestor.com or follow Clever Investor on all the social channels. My personal Instagram is at official Cody Sperber. I pissed off Instagram so much that I can't even get the name Cody Sperber. I have to be official Cody Sperber. They actually blacklisted my name, believe it or not. Fun. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> I was talking so much shit about COVID. They blacklisted my actual name when they deleted my Facebook page. Good uh, Lord. I know. So add official Cody Sperber. But uh, look. I want to do real estate deals, but I want to do big boy deals. I'm not looking around with single family houses anymore. I've done that for 20 plus years. I'm ready to just focus on big stuff. Um, I just purchased uh, a couple banks, old banks. I have a 67 acre development that we're doing in Cholo, Arizona right now. That's going to have some mobile home stuff on it, some self-storage and 181 unit apartment building. We closed on a 432 uh, unit institutional grade class B institutional grade apartment building in Arcadia, Arizona for a little over $130 million. We just did that at the end of last year. 
So these projects, I own the Hard Street Corner on Chandler and Cooper in Chandler, Arizona. We're going to subdivide that land into four different parcels and probably do a like a car wash and a gas station and some other commercial stuff on there. Maybe a hotel. Doing a lot of entitlement stuff, a lot of big commercial projects. These things take lots of money. And all we're focusing on is the development side of it, the asset management side of it. But we need to raise capital. And so we have a website out there called Clever Capital Fund. If you ever want to get involved in any of our projects and you're an accredited investor, that means that you make over 200 grand a year as an individual with the intention or expectation of making 200 grand again this coming year. Or if you're married, 300 grand a year. And or you have a million dollars in net worth. If, and there's websites out there you can verify that you're an accredited investor. If you're an accredited investor, then we want to talk to you because all of our funds require you to be accredited. We're not really messing with non-accredited investors, but we need to raise lots of capital to do these deals. We have great equity funds where you can participate in the profits of these deals, earn 12, 13, 14% along the way and get some equity splits. Go to clevercapitalfund.com and just see what we have going on. Right now, I don't need to raise any money at the at this exact moment. We're fully funded. We just closed down our last fund and bought a bunch of really great projects and we're performing on those projects. But the world has shifted so hard. There's so much opportunity right now. If you look at the hundreds of billions of dollars worth of multifamily projects that are resetting right now. And I actually own one of them. Uh, I bought an 81-unit apartment complex two years ago. We paid $15 million for it. We were going mm-hmm. to renovate like 25 of the units and then sell it uh, after we lifted the rents up and renovated a third of the units. We got a short-term loan. That loan lasted a year and a half, two years. Oof. And unfortunately, the world shifted. And our loan, we had to do a capital call with our investors and said, hey, what do you guys want us to do? We want to sell at a loss because our original plan of flipping this thing after we lifted the rents and renovated parts of the part of the units isn't going to work anymore because the market pulled back and rents pulled back. It was the only property we were like developing, speculating on. You got to go back two years. Interest rates were low. Market was pumping. Everything looked great. We were going to be in and out in 18, 20 months. Boy, that that plan shifted hard. And so we had to actually all pile in more money. And did we did a capital call. And we r- r- got a new loan to buy us another five years. There, We were lucky. We're one of the lucky ones. We were able to do it. And the the partners that were involved all were cool with putting up more money to buy us more time. There's hundreds of billions of dollars worth of these multifamily projects where they're not able to do that. Their investors are going to lose their ass. And that those properties are going to sell in distress in trade hands. We want to be positioned to be able to take advantage of a lot of that stuff. And so when the market shifts like this, like Warren Buffett says, the tide goes out, you see who's wearing underpants. Uh, and that's where the opportunities are. And so that's what we want to focus on. If, if we would love to work with you if you're an accredited investor. Boom, baby. Clevercapital.com. Clevercapitalfund.com. And we guys, we'll have all the links to Cody's Instagram and his fund in the show description. Brother, thank you for coming on. Thank you for sharing your truth. Thank you for being vulnerable. This could have just been a highlight reel, but you opened the kimono. And dude, I appreciate it. 
Dude, thanks for having me on. Appreciate you. And with it's been Brian and Cody with the Action Academy Podcast. Signing off. Hey, real quick. If you're still listening to today's episode, I'm assuming you got value from it. So I need your help specifically. My two-year vision with this show is to help over 1 million people do what they want, when they want, with who they want. And I can only do that with your help. There are two main ways that a podcast grows. One is through ratings and reviews, and the other is word of mouth. If you could please leave me a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, as well as send this to one or two friends that you think would get value from it, we can reach the people that we're looking to reach. Thanks in advance. Talk tomorrow.